Weird Things is brought to you by patreon.com slash weird things. Support the show. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things podcast. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Mr. Brian Brushwood. Hello, hello. Mr. Bryce Castillo. Hello, hello, hello. And a new voice, a rookie we're trying out here. Um, mm. It says here, Jason, Justin, Justin mm-hmm. Roberto mm-hmm. Young. Mm-hmm. Buenos dias, Mr. Mm-hmm. Young. Muy bien. Mis tocadiscos es descompuesto. Diversity hire. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, man. Hey, Welcome. it's good to be back. Glad to have you back. Glad to be back. All right. Uh, good time you're back because uh, we got a uh, got an email from uh, R.J. Jackson who requested the help of the two world's greatest consulting detectives, who I have no idea who those are, mm. but I do have Justin and Brian. Yep. <laughs> and it's going to be some forensics, and it's going to be guess what this is. That's all we're going to tell you is you're going to guess what this is I'm yeah glad you finally have come to the world's foremost experts how long have we been talking about this justin what this is oh my gosh well i mean we talk about it very little because we always know instantly what it is we've been talking about going into business to identify things no i was asking what this is like what are we doing and who are you <laughs> <laughs> maybe we're not as good at this as we thought <laughs> <laughs> or are you We'll find out. Hey, what is this? What is this mystery? I also like mysteries. We're going to show you an image. You have to guess what this is. Are the rules not clear to you? Yeah. Okay, first of all. What is this? Whatever AI prompt did this made sure to use the words digital art. Okay. Because this definitely looks like uh, the cover of a role-playing mystery PC game circa okay, I, 1997. I would, I would describe it as something as a cross between like a mole rat and a catfish. Like, or, or one of those like, like fishes that are at the bottom of the ocean that have like weird teeth and lights coming out it, at the it, top it of their head. It does look like a, are they called a, a lure fish or, or uh, not lighthouse fish. That's not a thing. But meanwhile, it does. It Angler has. It has. Friend. It has dark red eyes and sharp yellow teeth. So it does look like a AI generated versions of a scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, cover. Also, regarding the teeth, pure needles. Like if this is a digital art painting, like they just. They just. Oh they wait just, a minute! Are they teeth or is that mustache hair? Because it also has little chin hair too. And they are also uh, a thread thin. Uh, okay. There's a number of things that are disturbing, uh, specifically. So it's got like kind of cat slit eyes. Yeah. However, and it does have antennas, but you would normally think of antennae as being kind of up on the forehead behind it. But these are more like antennae that are coming out or touching the eyes in a way that biologically I don't think makes a lot of sense. So by far, my number one guess here is the bassist of corn. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you're actually onto something because there is, there is something to this uh, and the background is, is uh, dark charcoal or black and, and, and yeah, this, the, is, yeah, this coming... is not a photo for, for, for audio listeners. This is not a photo. This is definitely some kind of artistic portrait of a thing, but specifically um, the skin looks a little bit like a beetle's carapace. If a beetle's carapace had very wide pores all over it, yeah. um, I'm not going to lie, Andrew. I feel like there's something disturbingly anthropomorphic about this. Like maybe I, I would believe you if you told me that somebody had uploaded a picture of a particular human's face, possibly mine or Justin's, and said, but a horrifying, a horrifying beetle chemotherm at the bottom of the ocean. All right. Um, first up, uh, you guys are idiots. Um, 
I mean that in given. the most loving way point possible. Point taken. Point taken. Point taken. Loving way. Loving. Okay. Uh, it is a photograph. It is not AI generated. What? It won. It won an award in a photograph competition. What? <laughs> okay. Go on. Do you, do you, do you want to try to keep, keep guessing? guessing now? Okay. Well, all right. So if it is a photograph, then it has to be something. I, I, pot, I, and I want everybody to like roll back to like, to like a minute ago. Like we know because Can't of the background. Be a photograph. Digital. All right. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, digital. that's what it looks I mean, like. Again, I don't know. Zoom back in. And also, and also, by the way, this is not raw in frame. <laughs> Whatever this is, like if it is a photograph, it is retouched. Okay. Uh, go, go, go back down um, to the chin. If those are chin whiskers, why do they look like folded fingers of an arch villain uh, that, that goes sideways? That's really weird. This is not. This I'm has to be to retouched in some way. Thing. I think this is a human face through a filter. I think they took a photograph of a human, and there's some. No, filter. no, no, no. They're 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 saying that. Look I, at that I, cheek. I, Look at that cheek. No, no, no. I know. I think that, that we're closer on the idea that it's like like some underwater beastie. Okay. And that this is like like to enhance it and and to bring out the facial features. This is what else happens. Bryce, you don't have the ability to flip this upside down, do you? Because sometimes they'll do that tricky thing where it's like, well, if you look at it from the right angle, exactly, uh, then it turns out the Mad be. Magazine gambit. Uh, <laughs> I think I could do that. Okay, all right, uh, possibly. We'll see if this gives us anything boop, else. Boop, because boop, boop, boop. Well, <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. It also now, looks dumb. <laughs> nope, still, still a <laughs> grinning. Evil face with a bug face, a lion's nose, um, uh, stalks growing out of its eyes. I'm I'm gonna say, is a this... a under deep sea water like heat vent at the bottom of the ocean dwelling beastie. I'm gonna say this is the first casting photo released for the sequel to um, uh, the Shape of Water. <laughs> you were gonna say for blacker Adam. <laughs> no, uh, the smell of air. <laughs> I mean, okay. all right. Yeah, that's not helping. ready for more. Yeah, yeah, right. I do. I'm gonna give you a big clue here. Big, big, yep. big clue. Mm -hmm. Not as retouched as far as we know. Macro photography. Oh no, that would explain. Okay, so the things, hell is macro photography? Uh, 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 super, super microscope, uh, microscope stuff, right? So, so Very close. Uh, all of a sudden, the fact that it fades out and there's a super, super duper shallow depth of field would make sense because uh, uh, because that's what happens when things get small. Is this but, like what a germ looks like? Wait a minute. Have 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 commercials uh, uh, for disinfectants been right all along? Is this a flea or a tick? Oh. I don't want to. I don't want to think about it too hard. But ooh, that's good. Yeah, let's go with tick. <sighs> all right, tick. Final answer. Uh, no, but right kingdom. Um. Uh, it is an ant, and those the antenna, the, the eyes of the ant are actually out of frame, so those antenna stalks look like eyes, and so we just focus on this. But this is an ant. Uh, That's what an ant looks like, huh? Andrew, I, I I hope you you won't be offended, but I straight up assumed you were lying the whole time, <laughs> and that there's no way this was a photograph. I mean, this is. This is an extraordinary photo. And uh, this was the runner up in this contest. Would you like to see the winner? Yeah. Uh, what was this Mark, contest? I saw oh, I saw this photo the other day. I thought, oh, that's cool. Passed on it. Then RJ Jackson sent it in saying, this might make a good story. And you were right, RJ. So this is part of this yeah. Nikon small world photo contest where they're looking for very, very close up images. This is the winning image. Uh, oh, it stinks! Boo! It got robbed! <laughs> it got robbed! Like a gecko, like a gecko hand. Ooh, that's awesome! Uh, yes, this is a gecko foot. This is apparently made up of quote hundreds of images, quote masterfully blending imaging technology and artistic creativity. Yeah, no, stinks. What ant what, face? Ant what face. What type of got ant? Got robbed. Yeah, go go back to Ant Man. <laughs> I like the Ant Man. Yeah. Uh, 
Do we know what type of ant it was? Because, like, like wouldn't wouldn't it have? Uh, was it on my mother's hole? side? Uh, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of info here on that. That was the kindest response I could give you. What's its Instagram handle? Is it posting uh, about Trump on Facebook? So the thing about ants is that one by one individually, you know, they're kind of cool and you know neat and actually smarter than we realize. But together, they can do a lot. Not unlike our Patreon audience. Yeah, you know, patreon.com slash weird things is where you need to go to support this program. At patreon.com slash weird things, you can give us money. And if you do, we'll keep doing the show. If you don't, well, it's dicey. Uh, so head on over there right now, <laughs> patreon.com slash weird things. And let's be clear, we understand each and every one of you beautiful listeners is really doesn't have a lot going on upstairs just following the pheromones of our broadcasts but together like that ant face you ant create face. a supercomputer of of astonishing power mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. do your part give us money I, there's money is a, poison and you have to get it out immediately get it out. i i read a i read a blog post once about an author that says i like to make my characters a little bit dumber than the reader so the reader feels smart <laughs> And I feel like our podcast has devolved into that. <laughs> I don't know, man. People, if, if you ain't seen that face. I just think that yeah. that is that is dumber than you think is another way to say honest intellectual exploration. Yeah. Dumber than you think. There was a lot of honest intellectual exploration yep. today. That's it. <laughs> Gentlemen. I want to show you on the subject of photography again. This is another cool story that I thought could be a jumping off point for something interesting. So this is, I found this in Gizmodo, and there's a photographer who, uh, by the name of Connor Nickerson, who went back and took a bunch of his photos from his childhood, his, his yearbooks and everything like that. And then he went in and he edited himself into them from modern day. Okay. And you kind of got to see these to appreciate it. But it's just this weird, nostalgic, sort of like time travel sort of thing where imagine little you at a birthday party with present day you sitting there. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it looks like his older brother. It looks like his brother's taking him on a walk. I mean, no, or there's, there's very much a, a, oh, a, wow. a father-son kind of thing and so 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 if describe the photographs so all right so so uh, uh this is a a a what what again would look like to anybody else like a father and son on a train with the with the young child looking out the window and father blankly looking with his arms or with his legs crossed uh, uh, uh out out the window as well uh, although uh, uh, and not for nothing i mean all credit to this individual but i mean uh that one's not F- the best. F- the trade F- one's not the best. Father looks maybe 12 years older than the baby. It's like, <laughs> can you wait until you're actually old to reflect on your youth? I mean, this is like, this is like I Photoshop me with me from yesterday. And boy, you could tell what a toll one day makes. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what public schools you went to, but <laughs> there are a lot of fathers and sons that are around oh, this they, age. Describe, gap. describe oh, this wow. image here. Uh, uh, so this is this is uh, the kid rocking out, and I believe the older version of the kid wearing the exact same jacket. Uh, which again only only supports my thesis that it was too soon for this. Uh, playing guitar while he's rocking out. I don't think it's the exact same jacket. The one that that the older, yeah, the yeah, the the, the old, yeah, the older version looks a little. uh, But it looks very convincing. It does opening presence, and they do look uh, spontaneous. You know, they don't look perfectly posed the way uh, I don't know that family photos may not look like. We we can't be very far away from you know a fun app that does this, where all you do is upload some old photos of yourself and then. I want to wonder for a second. I just realized, I just put the story in front of you. For all I know, it could be a guy and his little brother in photos. And the guy just said, yeah. I photoshopped myself into a bunch of photos of my younger self. And we're like, oh, that's adorable. That's great. And meanwhile, like you know, the, the brother's like, dude, no, that was us. So we're, you know. That's brilliant. 
In fact, maybe uh, um, hmm. Maybe if somebody has twins, do a twins. Like if my daughter had twins, I made a photo collection. I'll, I'll just take of a her. bunch of photos of, of Bonnie next to Josie and then just say uh or, or, or yeah. <laughs> dress Callie up in 70s clothes and put on an Instagram filter or whatever. <laughs> uh yeah. But no, it, it's the thing that had me thinking about this was you gotta imagine for this person, because those photos have a lot of meaning for him, mm-hmm. presumably. And to have that and look at these moments in time and now to see your older self in there probably has to feel a bit, you know, I don't like time travel or whatever. And to think about what we're going to be able to do with VR. Imagine taking your photo album or your scrapbook or whatever and walking into those places. Well, I mean, and, and I am, I am not sure exactly what story I saw, but, but discussing the idea that with the amount of publicly available stuff that, is out there from our loved ones, many of whom have passed on that there is a way in which you could have, you could train a model to talk to people that, you know, are, are no longer with you. And like, that's feasible, you know, and and it will only get more, uh, sharper infidelity. The more that people have put stuff online you know, a, a dare, dare to mention a time where I am no longer here. I have certainly put enough out into the world, uh, especially if you were to find old blogs and stuff that I've written, uh, uh, let alone transcribe the hundreds, thousands of hours that I have uh, uh, recorded and published in audio that people could have a conversation with me forever. You uh, know? Funny you should mention that. I think we could track it down. I was furiously trying to Google this, but there was somebody who wrote the science fiction book, uh, The Host, back in um, late 80s, early 90s, and he had the uh, foresight to record himself at the age of 19 doing one half of an interview at the local community college or community access stuff, and then as an adult took up the mantle and did the other half of the interview with himself at the age of 19. Uh, I, 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 I have not managed to hold on to the guy's name, but it was a news story from a few years ago. And I believe the YouTube video is out there somewhere. Um, well, Bram, my friend Bram, he did one where he had himself and he made a, v- a 3d version of himself and he's sitting there talking to himself. Oh, no, no, no. This GPD is, this is him power. back at the age of 19, uh, recording on VHS, oh, okay. uh, knowing that in the Sorry. future he can cut to himself um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, the book was called The Host. It was a science fiction novel where uh, there was an upper class and an underclass. And sometimes the sci-fi future upper class would be tourists in the underclass by occupying the body of, of somebody in the underclass. And um, uh, I, I happened to have read the book when I was in high school, which is why I recognized uh, the dude uh, when, when, uh, he, uh, uh, released this. So I, I found a sim, yeah. I found uh, certainly something similar called later that same life where, uh, uh, Peter Stoney M. Schwiller, uh, uh, asked, asked some questions on camera as an 18 year old mm. and then 38 years. And he did that back in 1977, 38 years later, uh, M. Schwiller sat down to answer those questions and it's, out as a it's it's like a crowdfunded movie sort of thing so i don't know it's exactly what the same thing you were describing yeah let me see if i could find the one i wait uh, yeah i think this is it this this i think this is it this is just in 77 i was 18 and knew i was going to be super famous so i interviewed my older self recording tons of video asking answering and responding oh yeah well now i'm 56 (laughs) and it's time to face that kid and finish the conversation oh my god here's a sample why don't you sit down okay (laughs) (laughs) this is exactly how you're picturing it at home it's (laughs) I, uh, I, I didn't expect you to look like, like you look. I mean, uh, I, I didn't. I'm uh, old, I'm fat, and in your mind, I'm a failure. You're not, <laughs> I know that. <sighs> Why do you think I've been avoiding talking to you for 38 years? <laughs> <laughs> Are you uh, exceedingly rich? <laughs> I didn't think so, no. <laughs> I'm very happily married. Wow. 
She's, uh, she's beautiful. Oh, I have pictures. You want to see pictures? Oh, my God. You're going to love this. This is like Star Trek. Remember when we made the Star Trek movie as kids? Oh, she is eight millimeter, two kids and yeah. Richard beating each other up in Star Trek. Yeah, 2015 is is when this dropped. Uh, she's a. Uh, she nice? Yeah, you meet her in. Uh, what she look like? Oh my God, she's 12 years old now. Ah. <laughs> so that's a. I guess that's a full length film called Later That Same Life. Uh, and that's, it looks like it's out. And that is a great, like, I mean, that is a great thing to think about. Like the idea we, the idea of like we could capture all of ourselves and say like, this is the Andrew bot, but this is Andrew at 18. Yes. And oh my God, you know, I would be very frustrated talking to myself. I, uh, went through a little bit of that recently. I went back through emails from the mid nineties, uh, putting together a, a, a collection of them and who boy, Brian at 19, I don't think I like the kid. <laughs> He's a real piece of work, that one. <laughs> I feel the same way. About yeah. me, not you. <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. I would, I would, I would, I would uh, uh, chime in as well. Uh, uh, it is, it is, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm very, very grateful that I've had people uh, that dealt with a younger, a younger version of me as patiently well, as <laughs> the two other people on this podcast did. But, but no, but like you... You you made me a better person and not the other way around. <laughs> so. uh, uh, well, that's yeah, that's 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 nice. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I would I, I would no no because I would I would say the other way around. I don't know. Like uh, uh-huh. it was it was definitely a a, a realization of, uh, of of what 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 could what could exist to to be around people that were as high functioning as you guys are. Well, uh, uh, to. Uh, I don't know. Uh, th- this is one of those things that I, I guess, uh, philosophically have believed is that part of the reason I've enjoyed uh, joining the new media movement, uh, you know, 14 years ago, um, is that I love the idea that just having enough of me out there that could be held on to. And, and I think we've talked on this podcast about how, <laughs> when I, how destroyed I felt when I found out that uh, there's a word for what I was believing and that's dataism, D-A-T-A. Uh, the idea that if there's enough data, you can recreate everything. Unfortunately, entropy gets the best of us all. And, uh, it doesn't matter what kind of encryption you use. If you converted all of the matter of the solar system into hard drives, you can't preserve everything and things decay and evaporate and actually go away. And there's the heat death of not only physical matter, but intellectual matter of ideas and so on. And once I realized that I was putting everything out there, just assuming the video of this moment or of what, how I phrased this that time was out there somewhere. And to discover that if it is, it's not going to be there forever. It's not going to be there for long. And letting go of all that it was, was uh, uh, recalibrating <laughs> is how it was. And uh, uh, so I understand despite the futility of projects like uh, interviewing yourself or whatever, I think that at this point there's enough fidelity and the answer, uh, as we've talked about before, might be in the form of artificial intelligence where you don't need all of the data. You just need enough data points for uh, the uh, a robot to fill in the gaps in a believable way where you can revisit and have a conversation with yourself. Yeah, that's the... The challenge in machine learning, which, you know, if you want to do systems that learn information is you start to think like, oh, we'll train it on the Internet. And you have databases that have hoovered up a ton, tremendous amount of data for that. But then you realize that that the sum total of human experience or knowledge that even we have is way more than that, that that's just a tiny fraction of stuff. You know, there's things that just aren't there. And an example I bring up is people ask me all the time, like, do I use you know, do I use AI to write? And I'm like, no AI system that's available right now has ever read an entire book. It may have read pieces of stuff, but it's never read an entire book. And so because of just exponentially, the the bigger, the more space that you try to put for each thing you try to train it on, it gets more and more complicated. 
And the thing about that is that we have highly capable systems, yet they still have not done something like that. Um, and so you need to build systems that can do that, that can read things, books that can then think about like, you know, you got a professor for, you know, nine months that you spent a lot of time, these great conversations and back and forth and that kind of data. There's just so much of that just not there. So. Yeah, I. Who knows? Ooh, man. Here's a real thing that could happen in 50 years is people of our age could play a video game, in which case we are given the opportunity to go back and do college right. Like, what if you did college? <laughs> Only you actually talked to the professors and you actually read the materials and you actually did the work and all that. Are you stuff. talking about like Roy, a life well lived? Yep, pretty much. Uh, uh, like I'd be. And your first thought is crazy. to redo college? Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the Imagine most Imagine what you could have made yourself, Brian. Those would probably be the best levels. I mean, that, if you were playing really? Roy, a life well lived. Co college legitimately was the time that I focused on my emotional and personal growth and not my intellectual growth. And I really, unfortunately, uh, would, would love to go back and experience that intellectual growth. Oh, I, I screwed I off a in a major way in college, and I feel like I got all the intellectual growth. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I... Either one, you know, there is, I've never, never enrolled in any particular course of study, but I would go take classes at night, night school classes, because I like to be one, if I was interested in something like philosophy or something, I'm like, well, I want to be challenged. I want, I don't want to just read the things I want to read. And so I did like Harvard has a really cool extension program. So I used, did that for philosophy and then I'd go to night school classes and anthropology and stuff. Cause it's just, I just wanted to learn. I didn't care about a grade, which I really enjoyed, but man, um, Working with a lot of super smart PhDs and geniuses involved in artificial intelligence really uh, puts you in an environment where you're trying to pick up things fast. Yeah. And so that, that's, my, that's my recommendation. And, and, and my assumption has always been that that kind of like fear of being um, revealed as an imposter is what drives uh, all of us, all, all four of us to uh, hustle when the hustling is good. Um, all of us. Hey, wait, wait. I don't know. Sorry. I, three, three out of four of us hustle. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I feel like I don't I, have imposter syndrome issues. I don't know. I once was watching. All right, let, let's event. rank our imposter syndromes. <laughs> uh, like, oh, man. That was somebody put out the tweet like, I, when you don't feel good enough to have imposter syndrome. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> because, like, I remember I was at an event and we're celebrating somebody who they did this huge technical milestone and then they said they had imposter syndrome. And I'm going like, dude, if you have imposter syndrome, there is no help for me because <laughs> you just see people who are just highly capable and you find out that they all kind of suffer from that. I think, I think the reason that that is common is that it means your surface area for failure is greater. Your surface area for when you don't know a thing, the more you challenge yourself. You know, I, all I have to do is go hop into a Slack channel and I'm going to feel like the dumbest person in the world because they're going to be talking about things way over my head. But I'm like, yeah, but I put myself in a position to go there and experience that. I can I mean, sit by myself and be the smartest person in the room. In, in a lot of ways, it's why I've, I've always wanted to thunder into a room like the Kool-Aid man and declare myself the biggest idiot because like it's, it's the no lose position, especially when you're dealing with smart people uh, uh, because you, you are, you are going to be able to learn. You're going to be able to pick your spots and, and know where you can contribute to something uh, uh, and you can have at least the humility to shut up and listen to other people talk, which when you're dealing with people that are highly, highly capable, uh, that's very important. Yeah. That is, that is probably, if I, if I were to tell any, any young person listening, uh, or, or, or older person that probably <laughs> needs to hear it, uh, <laughs> like the fastest way to earn respect is to shut up. Absolutely. Like, like that is, that is the fastest way that you can, like under understanding when to talk just unlocks the universe's doors. Uh, uh, you, you will be a better person to be around. You'll be more respected. People will find you smarter. Like, like it is, it is probably the, the greatest social cue that you could possibly hope to develop. Is a, uh, what's the, uh, uh, at least this was the motto when I was a kid, do kids, do kids still have lurk more? Do they tell each other to, to lurk more? That used to be the thing. No, I've never heard that actually. It was it was like a Brian. You've you've heard lurk more though, yeah. If not, 
He's shaking his head and he's very smart. It feels like it feels like like Bryce, you have your own no fear brand uh, uh, <laughs> ready ready to launch your own apparel. Well, it was like uh, you would you would post that when someone came up on a message board, you know, talking big or you know maybe not following the rules, not yeah. formatting their stuff right. You know, like hey, just like read what we're read the room for a minute before you start thundering in and declaring. Yeah. What what what's what, right? Yeah, cuz it's it's not it's a it is message boards are social networks they're just very 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 small. I uh, in I, a mean, lot of cases. I I genuinely believe that like writ large the stuff that we wring our hands about right now about social media are all just mass learned lessons that everybody who's ever been on a message board has learned like on on the micro since the, the the 70s right like like since the earliest versions of these things uh, yeah. we, we have all learned that people get overheated they don't go on message boards when they're happy they go when they're lonely and sad and they want to connect with people that same people like, like uh, agitate and eventually the bad actors wind up getting unearned uh, uh attention like all the stuff that we think is now destroying the fabric of civilization we knew. We knew it from the very, very beginning of these things. I would say, too, that, like, yeah, there is, if you were online back when handles and anonymous names were common, then you kind of got your battle scars. You yeah. just sort of learned a lot, and you just sort of went through it, because when when people had that fake mask up, everything, catfishing, all of that, that was just, that was, there was like that early 90s message board sort of stuff. If you survived that, then a lot of people came onto stuff later on when moderation and name stuff and Facebook, that was the big revolution of Facebook was, oh no, you got to be yourself. Do you think that it's a gift to a younger generation to have a persistent online name that's tied to their biological human being or is there a gift that we received from from going through that uh, adolescence of uh, you know what we now would look back uh, on with horror about the way we behaved when we thought we were anonymous i i genuinely don't think it matters i genuinely think that like there was this sense from a transition generation of which uh, we are that we thought okay well our online lives and our real lives are totally separate and so therefore if we are gambling with our real life persona, then we will be more conservative than we would be in an anonymous setting. And certainly if you are fully anonymous and you're, you know, on your fifth burner with 19 digits at the end of it on Twitter, then you're probably going to be a little spicier than you would be otherwise. But in general, what I think we've found the longer we've gotten into the world where online clout means a lot, uh, no, you'll gamble. <laughs> you will. You will gamble with your with, with your real life persona. I mean, uh, there was a thing not to bring it into politics, but there was a a candidate for Senate in Wisconsin, Mandela Barnes, who had a tweet again on the website twitter.com where nobody pays you for anything, and he was still in politics then, uh, uh, celebrating the fact that uh, uh, I believe it was Muammar Gaddafi uh, was celebrating Black Lives Matter. And and talking about uh, how uh, uh, you know the 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 United States was indeed the, the the great no 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 it was it was the shop or the the head of Iran, it was it was Khomeini in Iran, uh, uh, celebrating that like Khomeini had, had tweeted about Black Lives Matter and didn't delete it. He's running a statewide office in a a, a you know like, like the biggest moment of his political career and he just an, a piece of ephemera that he couldn't even remember to the point where it bit him in the butt now. And that shows you how careless we are because we just want that clout. At the moment that he tweeted it, he I'm sure he got a bunch of likes or he thought he was going to get a bunch of likes. He was going to connect with the crowd that he was with. Uh, and, and now, yeah, we, we, don't, we don't have any more permanence about uh, our, our, our reputation. Things are just looser because it's seductive to be liked online. You know, one of the ways I like to be liked online is by telling people the things that I like. What are some mm. things you like? You know what? <clears throat> some people like games. Yep. Petty trifling, simple little games on their phone. <laughs> frittering, frittering their, their precious moments other in people, life. Other people like uh, massive online, over-the-top streaming 
uh, narratives mm-hmm. based yep. on childhood nostalgia. Yeah. Me, I like the Roland Emmerich movie Moonfall <laughs> over on HBO Max. <laughs> My God, Bryce, what have you done to me? I laughed. I had such a headache by the time I went to bed. This movie, I got 35 minutes into it, and I was like, Josie, will you please join me for just five minutes of this movie? And we cackled so much. Bonnie went to bed, and then she woke up and said, what is wrong? I was like, what do you mean, what's wrong? And he's like, you guys are screaming. It's like, we're screaming with laughter. And then I put her on speaker, and she listened to it, and she couldn't hang up this movie, guys. <laughs> it's Moonfall. Go, go just watch Moonfall it's with wild. someone you love. It's wild. The, <laughs> the, uh, I can't even. I, I, Ro- Roland Emmerich. Roland, Roland Emmerich, Emmerich, of course, of Independence Day and Day After Tomorrow. So, like, like the... Like B, like like BSI level disaster movies are this man's stock and trade. Yeah. So the moon, it's falling. <laughs> and if start they the, there, if they do the start right things, there. then literal line, maybe the moon will go back to its orbit. <laughs> <laughs> the, just the way it so casually sets up these huge big ideas, like. Oh, uh, it, it, to be honest, like not for nothing, it is a great intro to basic movie making. It's a story. It's a, it's a good it's, spectacle. I mean, well, and also it's like every, like in the beginning, there are like anyway. I have to deliver exposition. That's why I'm here is to explain these things. Well, but I mean that's that's the classic disaster movie, right? Like if if there's going to be a shipwreck, then of course in the first scene you're also going to see like, oh, I'm a rich. Lady who will, needs to bring her precious wolverines on the boat, right? Like, because you need something in the middle axe that's going to chase the characters the from point A to point B. They're loose. Exactly, oh, right? The boat is sinking. Yeah, that's like, like it has to, it's not a, a, a run of the mill disaster. It's the greatest okay, disaster no, no, no. that's ever but, happened. But again, 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 there's a level of fidelity and there's a level of, of careful craftsmanship that you don't see in this movie. For example, when the four star general picks up the phone and says, Son, tell me you miss me. <laughs> yeah, everybody, every, every person, every adult in this movie is divorced and has split custody. <laughs> All of them. Someone, someone, check up on Roland. Let's make sure he's okay. It's, it's oh. so funny that I was rewatching this for for spoiler in time, and I I realized, oh, Halle Berry, uh, the the female lead in this, <laughs> she's got a daughter, and the <laughs> she has to have a nanny so that they can use the daughter as like an emotional, you know, anchor. But but she Halle Berry goes into space, so someone has to look after the kid. So that's why there's just a babysitter. Well, and, and also the reason they have a babysitter is because it's the one uh, Chinese person. Uh, uh, because yeah, this is important because they have to get up out of orbit and then they have to refuel. Thanks to our friends at SpaceX, at which point we'll rendezvous with an experimental craft. Thanks to our friends at the Chinese government. <laughs> and then they go and they attack the moon. But and I, they convince it to get back into orbit. But I love... You get back into orbit, moon. <laughs> you better go right now. It's so great. It's I, so great. There's, none of this is an exaggeration, by the way. Two, <laughs> two product placements that are so... One of them. One of the characters Lexus. is a, it runs a Lexus dealership, so there are Lexus cars everywhere. Yeah. The other one, the 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 software that powers uh uh the the old space shuttle that they use, brought to you by our friends at Kaspersky Labs. I saw that. <laughs> Prominently displayed multiple times. It's oh. in like the final big moment when they're like hacking, tick 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 tick, and you see Kaspersky, eighty-seven percent. Eighty-six. Last thing on the Lexus is we get three like eighty percent through the movie. We've seen this Lexus drive all over the place, and then finally, uh, uh, dude says we gotta get into overdrive. <laughs> Hits the button that changes it from eco, eco mode to smart mode. <laughs> so they're showing the features. Gotcha. So, so you're saying that this was a movie that started in some product placement firm. That like script doesn't matter really. It just, it just. Well, I mean, come on. Like if you're if, if Roland Emmerich is gonna make a Roland Emmerich movie in 2022, you're gonna need some product placement. Like, like the, the the rest of that money ain't ain't, ain't there for 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 the taking. And now I want to watch a sequel to this movie set 
some someone else make it, but a sequel set in this universe where this happened <laughs> and everyone has to live their life. Well, no, I mean the sequel Sunset. Oh, Sunfall, Sundown. Yeah, Sundown. Uh, sun up. Sun up. Oh, it's going farther yeah. away. It's <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's splitting it's like, up. It's the like sun splits. Well, well, I don't understand. Uh, we circle around the sun. If it comes closer to us, won't, won't we just fall into it? It's like, no, you don't understand, sun. The sun isn't going. By the way, the sun is named Sunny in, in this movie. Uh, the sun's not going towards us or away. It's going up. It's leaving the solar system. <laughs> it's going up. Sun up. <laughs> Sign up. Sign up. Look at and this. The thing that we haven't even spoiled is so insane. The way this movie ends is ridiculous. So great. Samuel Tarley's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Moonfall. Moonfall. <laughs> mm. uh, uh, yeah. My pick is the thick of it. Ooh. Um. So I don't know if you guys know, but uh, our friends currently in the United Kingdom are having a hell of a time keeping a prime minister. Uh, uh, we used to have two Liz's that ran the United Kingdom. Now we're down to zero. <laughs> so a shocking crash in Liz's in, in position of power. But uh, uh, in, in the midst of all that, I decided I was going to finally watch something. I, I'd been done with my like fourth rewatch of Veep, which is like my comfort, my, my, my comfort show when I'm on the road. And so I decided I would watch The Thick of It, which was the precursor series from the same uh, creative team out in England, uh, all about an inside look in politics from, from their uh, perspective. It stars, uh, uh, oh, oh, what's his name? His name is escaping me, but he's from, uh, he, he was one of the doctors. Uh, Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. Uh, as the, like, you know, bulldog of the uh, uh, prime minister and the ministers for which he is bullying it's very, very, very funny, and uh, especially if you want a little fictional companion series to what is happening, the turmoil that is happening in the United Kingdom, it is especially uh, uh, interesting and exciting to watch. Uh, I wound up meeting some people that are in the the mix of, of the British uh, government, and I was on a, a group text, and I was joking about watching the thick of it, and initially they pushed back a little bit. And they were like, oh, well, like, what is that supposed to mean? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I just started watching this show. And it's funny that it's echoing these things that are happening. And he explained the only difference between the actual British politics and the thick of it is that in the thick of it, every two seconds, people aren't saying, oh, my God, this is just like the thick of it. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, uh, please uh, uh, enjoy. Uh, it is streaming on BritBox, but also it is very uh, uh, cheap because they're they're shorter British seasons, so they're not even like that expensive to buy. They're like four or five bucks per season. So oh, nice. I would say go get them. I got to pick. Uh, our, our buddy Trey told me about this movie over the weekend, and I I watched it, and I thought it was it was a great time. Uh, so um, uh, the the big the three big races in the world. There's the Indy 500. There's Monaco, and uh, there's the Le Mans, the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And uh, it's not where I thought you're going with the three biggest races in the world. <laughs> Family friendly show. <laughs> and uh, so back in <laughs> back in 2008, uh, rank them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Coming in at number three. <laughs> So in back in 2008, uh, uh, the the Audi team had won seven out of the last eight 24 hours of Le Mans. And if you don't know, it's a 24-hour endurance uh, race. And you you have three drivers, and you're going for 24 straight hours. Um, and so uh, uh, NFL Films uh, is who put this together. It's called Truth in 24, and it follows their 2008 um, campaign in uh, uh, in the lead up to and then during the Le Mans 24 um, with Audi, and it's interesting. You know, they have a their car, which was really strong a few years before, is now they've kept the same car. They haven't had upgra upgrades or anything, so it's it, there. There's there are competitors from like Peugeot. Um, there's crashes. There's always rain and stuff. Um, if you have watched something like Drive to Survive, or if you're into like sports stocks, I think this is really cool. I'll have the link in the show notes to the full thing on YouTube. Um, and it's interesting because the first like 45 minutes is like, 
all of the run-up to Le Mans, and then the second 40, 45 is how, the whole race. How NFL filmsy is it? Because NFL Films has a very specific style of like music and like mm. announce the announcing's always like they come from the mist. <laughs> Warriors <laughs> that know that truth is only found in sacrifice. I'll tell you Thanks to our friends at the Chinese government. <laughs> I'll tell you this. In the sequel, Truth in 24-2, they had Jason Statham do the narration. So uh, it is exactly that. It's a lot of that. And it's from 2008, so it's like also just it feels a little... Uh, a little older, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, 08 would be, was that right or no? That's before 30 for 30. Because like 30 for 30 kind of revolutionized the the sports doc game. Previous to that, uh, HBO did them, but they were getting, because they were the only real players, uh, the, the, things had gotten kind of lazy. So uh, in fact, knowing at this point, I'd bet you that NFL Films was just testing their... Like, I don't know, can we just sort of expand beyond? And then I don't think that they really found that, that they could. Although if this is good, then that's that's great. Yeah, it's it's uh it's pretty good. Uh so yeah, I'll have the link in the show notes. But uh and I, I thought I thought it was a, a is a great story. Start to finish, really, yeah. really great action. And I think they do a good job. If you're not very familiar with these types of cars or the types of racing, they do a a lot of setup of like here we're gonna set all of the the tables here. We're gonna tell you who is like the 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 old hand at Le Mans, who are the 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 new guys, the different teams and stuff. So yeah, truth in twenty four. Andrew, do you have a pick? I'm just gonna put my seal of approval on House of Dragon. Ooh. The finale came out, right? Can we can we talk yeah. about it? We can talk about the House of Dragon. Yeah, yeah. before they agree wholeheartedly with someone else's what pick. Was your, what was your what was your thoughts on House of Dragon? I enjoyed it. Um, I really thought it was solid. Thought it was well done. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was not as, you know, it's a different thing than Game of Thrones. It's a different kind of storytelling, but I enjoyed it. I thought that last night's episode, the finale, was was a great penultimate episode. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. That was my biggest my my biggest crit for last night's episode was we are ahead. We're ahead of the story. And then like, and then here's the thing that happened. Like, yeah, no, we, we know where this is going. Yes. And you just gave us this thing. And that, that was frustrating where I thought game of Thrones was great at curveballs and surprises. And that's, that's the thing that I ultimately the, the, the thrust of the series and where they wanted to end it is fine. The, the problem that I had with it is that I'm invested enough that I wanted to care more instead of guess more. And that, mm -hmm. that is a thing that the game of Thrones was really, really good at was showing that like, okay, well, if this person who is a total idiot and is constantly putting themselves in danger dies, there are gigantic consequences. And we're going to keep reinforcing why these power structures matter and, and the chaos that would happen if there is an upset to that. And that's the one thing with House of Dragon that I that I found is that like there was a lot of focus on the main characters uh, of without a lot of ex explanation of kind of how these families react to the world. And I think that there was a lot of assumptions that it's like, well, if you're watching this Game of Thrones series, then you already know all the stuff that happens in Game of Thrones. But like I felt like. A few things, especially considering where, where the story ended, just so you understand how much any hair on the head of any of these families being jostled matters. Like one peasant pushing a, 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 a main character's child and then immediately being disemboweled on the streets would have gone a long way to show uh, uh, exactly kind of the, the, the stakes of the world. Uh, I, I will say the the time that I loved the show the most was when uh, Matt Smith was out fighting the crab people, which was a, a world in which we did not explore a lot during Game of Thrones. And I do think that, you know, maybe going forward, they, they, they can do a little bit more of, hey, this is a gigantic universe. We, we didn't get to near all of it in 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 game of thrones let's have 
our characters interact there a little bit, find the people that are that are in this universe. I think that it's it's uh it is rich. I'm excited for season two. Uh for season one, I agree with you, Andrew. I enjoyed it, but oh boy, was was I I was ahead of that story by about episode five. <laughs> and by oh. the time that we got to last night, I was still way ahead of the story. I I hope that the Trying to launch, like, you know, the story, like, there's going to be a book or needs to be a book about all of HBO's attempts to create a sequel to Game of Thrones. Like, how many different pilots did they shoot? Like, it's insane and redo. And so hundreds of millions of dollars probably spent to try to figure out the series. And this is the one they settled on. And then, you know, you'll notice that in Game of Thrones, the first series, a big story was Benioff and Weiss. Here... We're not getting a lot on the showrunners. We get interviews and stuff, but they are nowhere near as getting the same kind of attention those people did. And I don't know if that was deliberate or what. Well, one of the, one of them's of off season two, so uh, yeah, uh, uh, you, you could assume that the the network did not want to put a ton of uh, myth making behind that 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 showrunner team. Yeah, and I think and that may be by why the later seasons of Game of Thrones started to suffer was that. And that happens with miniseries. You get really amazing showrunners who all of a sudden get a bunch of opportunities who know there's a limited time to take advantage of them. They do. And the thing you know them for doesn't get the same attention. Yeah. Uh, so it's curious to see how much of this is going to be as a network-driven show is like the network sort of doing this. And I would I would blame a lot of what I didn't like on just the way those decisions get made, like the lack of predict- the, the the fact that it was extremely predictable and whatnot was that when you get a group of people together who are trying to play it safe, they make the obvious choice. And we got that. There was also the fact that I wound up seeing a pivotal moment from the final seconds of this episode, uh, uh, because it was leaked online, just randomly auto played in one of the reddits that I have followed. Uh, uh, and I thought, wow, that happens in the middle of this episode. Oh, no. I'll bet you this finale is amazing. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, wow, we're really not close to that. I'm like looking at the time. Oh, oh God, that's the last thing. I <laughs> yeah, I would I would say that for me, I was just looking at the clock of how much is left. And like, you know, like the last episode, you previous one, like, you know, my wife was like, ah, there's, you know, I, you know, like something should happen. I'm like, something's going to happen and something happened. You know, I said, yeah. trust me this time. And then in here you're waiting for the something to happen. And then you see this and you're like, yeah, that doesn't seem like a finale sort of it's beautifully shot. One of them that doesn't feel like a finale moment. That feels like this feels like, you know, you know, opening episode of, Hey, fly out here, go do this. And this thing happens. So, I mean, or even like, I don't know. I felt like, yeah, not to get too spoilery, but there needed to be a scene after that scene where a character gets news of things that happened in that scene, like just so you can cap it and just understand like, all right, this is going to, this is going to escalate. There's a decision. There's a face that looks like, I don't know. Uh, 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 I very, I'm very happy that this is in my life. I did miss game of Thrones. I think it was competent enough. If anything, it wasn't, the fact that it was disrespectful, like I think the final seasons of Game of Thrones tended to be because we were so invested in it. Uh, I'm encouraged by the fact that they changed the showrunners because I do think the show can be better. Uh, uh, now, let's hope that it is better. Change change means change, not necessarily better or worse. My hope is for better. That's one vote for better. All opposed? Nay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who was that? The motion passes. It will remain the same. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that there's that there. I'm sure they're going to be network notes about predictability and stuff. And I have a feeling they're going to like, oh, we need to have surprises. And so we'll see. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a machine. It is. It, but they pulled it off really well overall. Other overall. than that. Gentlemen. Yep. It's been weird. <laughs> The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.